Welcome to the Life Point Church podcast. Once again, appreciate you being here with us. Thank you. I'm going to jump right into things. Keep moving this morning. And, uh, if I asked you this question, what's the most important thing to you? I want you to think about that answer. What is the most important thing to you? Everyone automatically starts having some ideas. And, and let, me, let me continue on that thought. What's the most important to you? Okay, you got an image, you got a picture, you got an answer. And then if I said this to you, prove it. What comes to your mind? What would you think about? Um, what, what would happen in your heart? And I do believe what is most important to us, we can say it, we can think it, but we really, really have to prove it. And so this morning, I, I want to start a brand new series uh, with you that will last for several weeks. I'm going to bring out a lot of good stuff over the next few weeks, so I would encourage you to be here. Also, I want to encourage you to come out on Wednesday nights, um, the month of January. We're calling them Restore Nights, and we had an amazing time this past Wednesday. So if you want to join us downstairs at 6 for prayer, and then um, 7 o'clock, we're, we're back up here. Got something really, really good uh, we want to tell you about this Wednesday night. So, so make, make, you know, I know it's hard. There's work and things, but um, grab a sandwich. There's Burger King right down the street. Um, we're fasting anyway, so just, just show up. <laughs> so in the book of Exodus, all the way back in the book of Exodus, it tells us the story of God's people who were once in bondage, and God delivered them miraculously. He brings them out of Egypt. They, they did not have, they were, uh, they had nothing that they owned. And so God miraculously brings them out and he brings them out and into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And while they're in the wilderness, about three months after exiting out of Egypt, they come to the wilderness in Sinai and they come to a mountain. And out of this mountain, um, there begins to be thunder and sound and lightning and so God wants to talk to his people. So they come out of uh, slavery. They come out of bondage. They're at the bottom of the mountain, and there's lightning, there's thunder. How I many? That's, that's a pretty cool scene. God's about to say something to them. And so in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, it says, All the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when they saw it, they, they trembled, and they stood afar off. And they asked, and they said to Moses, you can speak with us and we're going to hear, but do not let God speak to us or we're going to what? Die. And Moses said to the people, don't fear for God has come to test you. The word test is the word prove. He's come to prove you and that his fear may be before you so you wouldn't sin. In verse 21, so the people stood afar off and Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Now we know later on in Deuteronomy that it said Moses spent 40 days up on top of uh, Mount Sinai, and God was speaking to him. And when he came down, he came down with what the book of, uh, what the Hebrew language would, would call the 10 matters uh, or the 10 words. Um, later on in Exodus, it's called the 10 commandments. And so God gives the 10 commandments. And I, I, I would say really what the 10 commandments are to us is they are 10 principles. Everyone say principles. There, there are these principles for living in the word principle means this. It's a foundational truth that's created a system for us to believe or behave. 
So it is a foundational truth, and it creates a way for us to behave and a way for us to believe. Now, I know there's a lot of people that say, well, the Ten Commandments, we're in grace now, so that's, that doesn't apply to us. Let, let me answer that question. Let me straighten this out for you. And I want you to get this principle because it changes everything. So did you notice that when God's people were in Egypt and they were in slavery and they were in bondage, God did not give them the Ten Commandments there. When he delivered them, he then gave them the Ten Commandments so they would live better. It's the same way in your life and my life. Romans says this, we were slaves to sin. We were in bondage to sin. So God brought us out and broke that slavery in our lives, broke that bondage in our lives, and brought us out of that bondage, and then he gives us some principles so we'll live better. So in other words, the principles weren't given or the commandments weren't given while they were in slavery because it, weren't, it wasn't us obeying those commandments that freed us. It was the hand of God that freed us, and now these are principles, so we'll live better. So it isn't you obeying those things that brought you deliverance. It was the hand of God Almighty. It was the work of Jesus on the cross, and then he gave us his word to help us live better. They, they, had, no, they had nothing to live by other than the hand of slavery, and now all of a sudden, God makes them his people, calls them out, delivers them, and then says to them, you will live better, you will live above sin if you obey these principles. So these principles don't deliver you. They're advice to us. They are principles to us how to live above sin. And there are 10 of them. And so over the next 10 weeks, this may be our longest series ever, we're just going to pull out principles and they all still apply today. They do not apply to deliver you. They apply to keep you living above. And so we're going to pull out some principles. So I'm calling this, um, this, this series, The List. Because it's a list of principles that God gave his people that are still applicable today. So there is grace today, um, but it do, this doesn't eliminate grace. I just wanted to clarify that to you. Grace was the work of Jesus. The, these are principles that God gave us, and, and he gave these for us to live in, continue to live in victory. So Exodus chapter 20, the first three verses says, And God spoke all of these words. Remember, this is Moses coming back down from the mountain. And he says, I'm the Lord, your God, and I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt, and I brought you out of bondage. So this is the first commandment he gives us, have no other gods before me. I think God deserves that. He brought them out and called them a people and delivered them and set them free as he did us so he could be called our God. And he said, here's the first commandment I give you, don't have any other gods before me. Well, that means don't have any before him, don't have any beside him, don't have any behind him, just have no other gods. Here's why that's so important. For 430 years, all they saw was gods everywhere. Egypt had over 2,000 lesser gods and almost 30 greater gods. So they saw uh, this polytheistic theology where there were gods everywhere. And so that's all they knew coming out of that slavery, coming out of that culture, coming out of that system. And God said, I brought you out of that. So have no other gods before me, beside me, behind me. I'm the Lord, your God. Now, there is a principle on this first commandment. Or there is a belief that, or a truth that creates a system for us to believe and behave. And here's the first principle, and it's pretty clear, but it's the principle of priority. And this is a great message to kick off the year. The first of the year is always a good time to, what? Rearrange our priorities, do a priority check. And so this is what God's saying, there's a new priority in, in your life. See, when they were in bondage, they couldn't think for themselves. They couldn't live for themselves. They couldn't do for themselves. And now God gave them freedom, but he said, now I'm your God. No other gods 
but me. So this is the first principle, the principle of priority. And priority means you regard something as most important. So I looked up the word priority and just, I want to give you some other synonyms for the word priority um, because we could add this in there. If it's the principle of priority, it could be also be the principle of arrangement, arranging things in the right place in your life. It could also be the preference of your life. It could also be what uh, the order of your life or what needs to be first or precedent. I like this. It means what, what do, how do things rank in your life? It could also be said this way, what is supreme in your life? Or I like this, what do you give right of way to in your life? So the principle of the first commandment, the reason why God said uh, to a new people who are becoming a nation, one of the first things he said is you've got to have your priority right. You've got to have um, the arrangement or the rank or the right of way in your life right. And Exodus chapter 19 says this, if you get this right, there'll be a special treasure on your life. It's what God said in Exodus 19, verse 5. If you get these things right, there's a, it creates a special blessing on your life and in my life. In other words, anything that you would put in higher place than what God says will lead us to sin. This is what God's saying. Keep me first. I'll keep you out of that bondage. Same thing he's saying to us. This is how we keep out of a bondage. We keep living by these principles that he's giving us. So here, here's my title for this morning, just the power of your priority. The power of your priority. And so I said to you, how would you prove what's most important in your life? It's what the Bible said we just read in Exodus 20, that God wanted to prove them so they'd avoid sin. I believe making God the highest priority in our life keeps us from failure, keeps us on track, keeps us in the lane we need to be in, keeps us on the lane to greater blessing. Amen? Amen. Uh, one more scripture, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says this, in everything that you do. Now, here's what the word everything means. Um, everything. In everything, in, in your career, in your relationships, in your thinking, in your speaking, in everything, put God first. If you do that, it says he'll direct you and he'll crown your efforts with success. If you and I can surrender and commit to making him the priority of our life in every thought, word, deed, action, and we need the Holy Spirit's help to do that, I get that. But if that's our priority, the Bible said, I'm going to crown your life with a blessing of success. And I would assume by looking across the crowd, we have a full house today, but I would assume that there's no one in here that like, really, my goal is failure. It's my anointing. You may feel like that sometimes, but no one would get up this morning and say, I just want to miserably fail today. <laughs> See, God put something in all of us to succeed. He, he really did. Um, when, when he sent the children of Israel into the promised land, that, that was an area of success he was bringing them to. So God brought them out of an area where they, they had no future or nation, called them a nation, and was bringing them into a promise. See, they didn't have land. They were slaves. When you're a slave, you own nothing, and you just do what you're told. And they came out of that, and God said, now, I delivered you from that. going to give you some principles to live by, but I didn't bring you to the wilderness to stay. I brought you to go into the success zone. But here, here's what God never did. He did not put success in their hands, but he put it within their reach. Same thing for our life. He didn't just throw it in your hands, but he, he put an anointing on us, a blessing on us, and he put success within our reach. And as we follow the principles of God, guess what? It enables us to walk in the things of God. 
But it takes faith to do that, right? It takes faith because we know, we know our weaknesses and we know God's word. And so the more we hear the word, the stronger we believe, the more able we are to obey the things of God. So when I say, how do you prove what's important? I, I was thinking about this and do think these aren't, I mean, these, these are pretty normal, but I want to share these three areas of our life I want to challenge you with. If, if God is the priority of your life, these are three areas of your life you're going to prove it in. If I said, how do you know you're really, really putting God first? Because here's what I know. All of us in here, in our minds, think God's first. Because we want him to be first. And if I asked you, list your priorities, you'd be like, bang, bang, bang. God, husband, wife, kid. And we'd say it. But you have to prove it with more than your words. Because sometimes in all of our lives, those priorities get skewed. And we allow them to get a little bit off and, 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 and it leads to frustration, it leads to failure. And I want to challenge you as we go into 2020, the priority of our life is God. It's the words of Jesus. It's the word of God. It's the plan of God. It's the principles of God. And we've declared it's a year of restoration. And I do believe as we keep seeking and putting God first, it gives God an open door to restore beyond our wildest imaginations. So in all that we're believing for, let's keep... God, first priority. And here's how you know if he really is. So by the time I'm done today, I just want you to do a heart check. And sometimes it's easy as adjusting a couple things. And sometimes we just need to repent where they've got out of line. But there are these three areas. So how do you and I know that we're putting God first? Because this is the first thing he commanded. Put me first. I brought you out of slavery. Keep me first. So here's how you know. You know by how your time is being spent. I'm going to meddle a little bit this morning, all right? So just still love me when we're done. But, but how our time is being spent proves if God is really the priority of our life. How does what happened all those years ago translate to us in 2020? It's how we spend our time. There are a lot of things vying for your attention and vying for your time. And Ephesians 5.16 says this, that we need to focus on spending our time on the purposes of God. It actually says we need to be alert that we're doing that. It, it, anytime the Bible tells us to be alert, that means that we have a tendency to not focus right. or We have a tendency to not be aware. Yeah. I, I looked this up the other day. I thought this was kind of funny, but th this is where your time goes in an average lifetime. You spend 25 years of your life asleep. If you're a teenager, you're well on your way to hitting that goal. I'm seeing that. <laughs> At least mine. You spend, it's really funny because um, my daughter's probably watching the live stream. Hi, Cass. Um, all of her friends, a part of their normal routine is a nap. I don't understand that. I envy it, but I mean, I, I don't understand. You, you spend 10 years of your life working. You spend nine years of your life watching TV. And two years of your life is spent watching commercials. You know the commercials that, about the disease, that by the time it's over, you, you think, well, I must have that. You know, you scratch your eyes, your ears are itching, you, you wet yourself in public. And, and if you take these pills and you pass out in public and break out in highs, none of it works. Anyway, so nine years, four, almost four and a half years of your life driving, you spend three months of your life in traffic. Does that just freak anybody out besides me? Thank you, all the guys. Three and a half years eating, two and a half years in meetings, 
Now, this is funny. You spend a year and a half of your life in the bathroom. 92 days of your life on the toilet. Men spend four more minutes than women do on the toilet. That's just... <laughs> FYI. You spend a year and a half of your life, women, doing your hair. You spend a year of your life deciding what to wear. And ladies, you spend eight years of your life shopping. But here's why it's important. Because men spend a year of their life staring at you. <laughs> men spend one year of their life staring at women. So... <laughs> we spend 70% of our life in front of, a, in front of digital media. This is interesting. We have 2,000 dreams a year, and we forget 90% of them. And you drink over 2,000 cups of coffee in your lifetime. For Pastor Mitch, that's double, but for most of us, <laughs> it's 2,000. Now, th- none of those are necessarily good or evil, in other words, here's what I would say. Your time is going somewhere. And it's, it goes to necessities, but sometimes they aren't necessities. But there is a commodity that you have that the Bible says we need to be alert that this commodity is being actually spent on the purposes of God, and that's our time. It's our time. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Above everything, seek first the kingdom of God. And here's what that means. To seek means you're going to invest time somewhere. And if you invest time somewhere, you're investing your energy somewhere. And I'm a firm believer, and I think you'll back me up on this. When your time or your energy is invested in the things of God, I've noticed this, that you have better energy. But when your energy is spent unwisely or just spent on other things, it often just wears us out. Because the, when we spend things on the kingdom, the Bible says this, seek first the kingdom and I'll add to you. I'll add these things to you. God has a way of adding to our life when we spend our energy in the right place. So we invest our energy. And, and that would be, for us in 2020, what does this commandment mean? Above everything else, let your priority be God. That means let your energy, let your time being spent in the house of God, on the things of God, on the word of God, on the will of God, in the place of God, in the ways of God. But there's a lot that competes for our time. And it's not all bad. Some of it's just good. There's, but good can be the enemy of great. And I want to encourage you in 2020 as we go into this new year, man, make the place you spend your time Make sure that it's connected. Make sure your energy is connected to the place of God, the purposes of God, the things of God, the house of God. There, there is a massive trend in our country today where people just aren't in church. People, people, good people that really love God, they're just not. And, I, and I'd like to call Life Point back to just understanding one of the highest things God ever said is honor his house. That means we need to invest our energy in the place of God. So time, 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 is, time is one of the top tellers uh, if I said to you, if God's the most, because if I said, what's most important, everyone in here would probably be like, God. And if I said, prove it, here's how you prove it. I invest my time in the things of God. And, and the, number two, I would say this. Here's the other way that you know or you prove. It, it's where, you, where your talents are being used, where your gifts, your abilities, where they're being used or where they're being invested. Matthew says this. 
Jesus said, what's the most, Jesus was asked by a lawyer, what's the most important thing? What does the law say? What's the number one on the list? And, and Jesus answered this way. He said, all right, you want to hear what the number one law is? Because Jewish people developed over 600 and some laws. And they said, here's the most important. Here's the lighter ones. And Jesus said, hear this. Here's number one. Love God with all of your heart, your soul, your passion, and your strength. And here's what that means. If, if time is our energy, if we want to prove to God he's number one, then we invest our energy in the things of God. And then we invest our efforts in the place of God. Our, our gifts, our talents, the things God put in us, we invest them in the things of God. Because um, there are a lot of other distractions. Where God has anointed us with different giftings and different abilities and different um, things that we're good at. God put those in us. And I believe God's house deserves those. I believe that means God's called us to serve in his house, serve his talents. Even where we work, serve him with our heart, serve him with our gifts, serve people with our talents. It's a, how, how do we prove to God? Because we don't have a bunch of idols around like they did then. And I'll talk a little bit more about that next week, actually. But how, how would we prove to God that, God, I'm going to invest all of my energy in your house. I'm going to invest my energy in my relationship with you. And I'm going to also invest my efforts the things I can bring, the things I can do. I can help in a parking lot. I can help in the kids' department. I can help be a host. I can help in worship. I, I can help. And so we need to invest these talents, these abilities that we all have that are diverse in the things of God. How would I prove that God still is really number one in my life? Well, the time I give him. You know, I think it's really cool Sarah shared about joining us for prayer and fasting last year. We had a room full of people Wednesday night ready to kick off prayer and ready to kick off fasting. Um, and really what that is is saying, God, I'm going to give you the first 21 days here in 2020 just to seek you. But that should be a lifestyle. I mean, you don't have to fast all year, but I'm saying that should be our lifestyle. We're just to seek God. Because we have this tendency to elevate our opinions, our wants, our thoughts, our desires, and that takes God out of first place. Anytime we start thinking, well, this is what I think, or this is what I feel, it starts to take God out of his place and elevate ourselves to this place. Or God, this is what I want to do with my life. This is what I want to do with my future. This is what I want to do with my time. This is what I want to do with these resources. This is what I want to spend my evening. This is what I, instead of saying, God, above all things, I'm going to seek you. And if I'm seeking you, I'm going to find you. And I'm going to make sure your highest priority, because what God does in return is he starts adding stuff to our life. Adding blessing to our life. See, what we're doing with our time and our talents, we're seeking the things we want. And God said, if you just seek me, keep me first, all that stuff you're chasing, I'm just going to bless your life with it. Because God can trust a person whose priority is in the right way. Now, I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm just saying if your priority is in the right way, God will start trusting you with blessings. He'll start trusting you with time. He'll start trusting you with talents. He'll start trusting you with opportunities. And here's the third one. I want to spend a, mo a moment here. Here's, here's the other way you prove your time your talents, and where your treasure is being invested. And when I say treasure, I mean the resources of your life. Where are your resources being allocated? So if God is first place, and listen, I know a lot of people say, oh, they talk about money in church. I'm going to talk about money in church for just a moment because I believe this is where you need to find out about it. So let me help you for a few moments. If God is first priority in our life, it's, here's, where, here's, here's how we prove it. My time my talents and my treasure. 
if you're like, well, I'm doing real good with time, so it doesn't matter. No, it's the combination of those three things. In 2020, this is how we would prove God has first place in our life. Um, Matthew chapter 6 says this. It says this very clearly. You cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and you. You, you just can't serve two masters. And what, I, what that means is God has to be highest priority. His word has to be priority over your word. His will has to be priority over your will. You can't serve two masters. But then it explains the other master. It says you'll love one and hate the other. And then it, it specifically says you can't serve God and mammon. Now, mammon represents the, uh, it's a demonic spirit, right? It's a name for a, a, a god, basically. And it's the god that's on the world's finances. And it says you can't really serve Jesus as priority and serve that spirit. And that spirit is a self-sufficiency, my rights, my money, greed, poverty, fear. That's all combined in that spirit. And, and this is what Jesus said. You, you can't really serve me and allow that spirit to have place in your life. So he actually declares something that will steal him as priority from our lives. And let me say up front, I'm going to hit you with three things and close up. Um, God wants you blessed. The Bible talks more about money than it does prayer. It actually talks more about money than it does love. God has a way to do our money. If we will heed it, hear it and heed it, God will begin to bless your life long term. He'll begin to do that. And there, there, there are a few reasons why God wants you to be blessed. They're not in order, but here they are. For provision. The first reason God wants your life to be blessed is provision. So you can provide for you, your family, your children, others. God wants you blessed so you can provide. Here's another reason. Um, these aren't in order, okay? But here's another reason. Recreation. I didn't get one amen on that. God wants you to enjoy things. Here's why. It proves his faithfulness. It proves his faithfulness. Actually, the Bible, Bible clearly tells us God doesn't have a problem with you having money. He has a problem with money has you. Like provision, recreation, enjoyment. In other words, God doesn't have you. He has no problem with you having that boat until that boat becomes your priority and you can't get in church, then God has a problem with the boats. Otherwise, get you a big boat. If you don't like boats, whatever it is. So provision, what was the other one? Recreation, that's my favorite one. Just, I mean, I mean providing, yeah, I wanna provide for my family, but I wanna have fun doing it too. So here's, here's the other one, to sow into the kingdom. That is the three reasons why God is completely all right with you being blessed, to sow into the kingdom of God to enjoy, and to have provision for you and your family. And the Bible says there's three ways that we really prove that we believe the word of God, follow the word of God, and the word of God is priority and God's priority in our lives when it comes to giving. So if sowing into the kingdom is one reason God wants us blessed, how do we do that? Y'all getting something good so far? There are three things, there are three levels of giving, and here's the first one, it's called tithing. I would actually say it this way, returning the tithe. Actually, tithing is not giving. The Bible actually says it's returning to God's what is God's. I read you that scripture in Malachi earlier that God will protect, God will bless, he will give you success, 
And the Bible says the way he does that is you bring all the tithes and offerings into God's house. And if you do that, he blesses your life. But a few verses before that, here's what it says. You rob God when you don't do it. And if you rob God, there's a curse on your money. The world's financial system is under the spirit of mammon, and there's a curse on it. Here's how you get the curse off of it. Number one, I tithe. Returning the tithe. Everyone say, returning the tithe. And a lot of us as believers struggle with this because like less than 10% of believers in, in America don't tithe. And it's one of the things that the Bible says, this is how we prove God's a priority in our lives. It's a test of obedience. It's an absolute test of obedience. And if I brought everyone up here who started tithing at one point in their life, they would tell you <clears throat> it was a little different at first, <clears throat> but everyone would tell you it's blessed their life. It's blessed their life. <clears throat> and we can shout about God restoring finances. Here's how we get them in line for restoration to happen, because God can restore things quickly, is we start to tithe. And I'm not doing this to get money from you. I'm doing this to get, actually, blessing in your life. The reason why I said it's not giving, because the Bible says we return to the Lord what is his. Not here. Hebrews says this, chapter 7, it says this, that your tithes are received in heaven. So you can say what you want to about giving to a church, but they're received in heaven. Here's what I mean. Jesus has an accountant, and he's up there in heaven. No, he, I, I made that part up, but he is up there checking. Because <laughs> everybody's like, <laughs> they're received. In other words, where is it noticed? In heaven. That's where God notices it. That's where God keeps a record. Bringing what, so if you bring home $1,000, 10% is called the Lord's portion. That's $100, right? Just off the top, it goes to God. It's called giving of our first fruits. Here's what that does. You give God 10%, it keeps your 90% blessed. That's what it does. It keeps your 90% blessed. Here, here, here's the deal. An owner has rights. A manager has responsibilities. God's the owner. We're the steward. We're responsible to say, God... Above all, here's the, t and, and, and I know what, here's what happens to people because they, they um, immediately think, well, things are tight. I, I, I don't have room for that. But I'm telling you, if you make it a priority and just start sewing it, watch what God will do. And I tell people this, and people will misunderstand me. But if I have to turn my cable off to give God his 10%, God will get my cable back on some way. I, if, I'm, if I'm stealing God's 10% for Dish Network, I, I've got my priorities wrong. If I'm stealing God's 10%, for my mocha at Starbucks, my priorities are It's not proving that God's first. If I fix that, God will get you your mocha and your latte and your cappuccino. Well, how many have experienced this? Here's the best thing tithing does is it keeps the covenant alive in your life. If you're a tither, God will protect. You will not go under. There are stories in this room. Me and my wife have stories because I was telling our team the other day, there was a time, um, first church I worked at, they got rid of the whole staff, and, I, and for about three or four months, I had no income. And the first thing I did is I went to God. I said, God, I've been a faithful tither, and I believe you're going to take care of me. And somehow, someway, during those three or four months, I made more money than I worked at that church. Can you explain it? Mm -mm. I just kept going to the mailbox, and there'd be checks in the mailbox. There'd be money. There'd be cash. 
I had a yard sale. And y'all know what I think about yard sales? It provides, I mean, God just did above and beyond. I couldn't wait for the mail to come every day. I mean, every time I checked, and I'm not making this up, am I? How does that happen? I was a tither. God protected, even though, even though man did something else, God protected. Have you ever wondered, the Bible says this, that God rejected Cain's offering and he accepted his brother Abel's. You ever wonder why? Here's why. The Bible said Cain brought an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought the firstborn. Here's what that means. Cain gave an offering, but Abel understood, I give God the first fruit, the first portion. And God rejected the other offering and accepted the offering of Abel. That's why, that's why that scripture says that. So here's how we prove investing into the kingdom of God. I make a determination. To, I'm going to become a tither. I got to go fast. Here, here's the second thing. Giving of offerings. Malachi says we've robbed God when we don't tithe and we don't give of offerings. So if tithing is a test of obedience, offerings is a test of our willingness. It's above and beyond the tithe. And we don't want to rob God. Because God said you've robbed. We said how have we robbed? In the giving of tithes and offerings. So tithe is the 10% goes to God. And offerings is just us giving beyond and above that 10%. So as believers, I, I, here's, here's, I know how some of us think, well, he's got my 10%, now he wants more. No, when you start understanding the 10% rule and it starts bringing blessing, it's just another opportunity to keep working resources, keep sowing seed. As long as you, here's the greatest thing, you will never go under as long as you've got seed out there. So I get seed out there by tithing and I get seed out there by what? Offerings. And, and then here's the third level, generosity, practicing generosity. Returning the tithe, giving of offerings, and practicing generosity. So what's the difference between an offering and generosity? Well, an offering is an opportunity to give. As a matter of fact, whenever there's an opportunity to give, if me and my wife are here at church or if we're at another church, we give something. We just give something. And listen, two bucks might be something to you. I'm not talking about the amount. Why? It's just seed, 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 seed. Because the Bible says there will always be what? Seed, time, and there's a harvest. If you got a lot of seed out there, you got some harvest coming your way. It'll happen in this life, and it will continue to the next because it's received there. And then there's just generosity. Generosity is just consistently giving above what's expected. That's what generosity is. And Proverbs 11 says this, a generous person, he scatters liberally, it makes him rich. You want to know how God makes you rich? I secure this tithing thing. I go to the offering level and I just practice generosity. You know how you know when you're with generous people? You go to lunch or you go to coffee and you fight for the check. That's how you know you're with generous people. I've got friends like that. We're out and, and, and it's, when I say fight, I don't mean like bloodbath, but you just, you, you know, you're, you got to go to the bathroom, but you really got, you know, you went and got the waiter and you said, hey, I'm taking the bill and it's back and forth. That's, you ever been at one of those lunches? Have you ever been at one with it? I I forgot my wallet again. That's not a generous person. But the Bible says generosity. And and if you've ever noticed that I declare over you all the time that you're a generous group. And I will tell you that you are very generous, but I want to keep speaking that over you. And, And there are studies, I don't have time to do this, there are studies they did about generosity. And they find that when you're generous, you live longer and you're healthier. There's actually an endorphin that goes off in your body, not to be crude, but it's the same one that goes off during sex when you're generous. There's an endorphin that goes off when you become a generous person. Every time you give, every time you sow, it doesn't go off when you're greedy. See, here's what happens. Tithing, offerings, and generosity breaks the power of greed. 
Everybody go like this. When you live like this and don't give, you can't receive. Because you're living tight-fisted. So when you release tithes and you release offerings and you release generosity, what happens? Your hands are open to receive. And this is the place in the Bible where God says, go ahead and test me. So when God said, I'm going to give you the first, pr- the first principle of the 10 matters, the 10 words, the 10 commandments, is that you elevate God above everything. Not just in, not just in philosophy, but prove it by your time. Prove it by your talents and prove it by where you sow your treasure. You want to get something good? Now let me, let, let me close with this and I, and, and I want to pray for you. I mentioned this last week and I want you to keep praying on this. In a, in a few months, we're, we're moving. If you look around, we're full. Now I know it's always full at the beginning of the year, but, but we need to move pretty soon because we're, we're, we're just full, which is a good thing, right? So we're moving. We bought another church and we're waiting for them to vacate. But... Um, we're going to this church. There's a church that started years ago. And what happened was a group of people came together and they were very, very, um, they sought God and they wanted a church where the Holy Spirit could be. They bought this property. There's prophecies about this property and they've been there for, for several years. So God gave us opportunity to buy this property. They're moving. And I, I believe God's given an opportunity for a church that's full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of the grace of God to pick up and continue in that place. And so, um, but what God is asking us to is to expand on what, what has been there, been a good church for several years. And so um, we want to move in, expand, build some things, add some sound, do a lot of things. And so I shared last week, it's, you know, probably eight to $900,000 project. So some of that will return in selling this building. Keep this in prayer. We've got people interested, so we want to sell this building. We get some money out of that. We want to raise some money with it. We want to do some good things. And, and, and um, so we're coming to you to say this is a great opportunity. Our, our project's called, um, it's called The Move. Uh, it's our project, our promise project. I think they have a slide for that they're going to put on the screen. And here's all I'm asking you. It's, it's on the back of your card you got when you came in. Just be praying what God might have you do toward this. Here's why I know that God's about to elevate your income because God's brought a project to us and every time God gives a project it's an opportunity for you to ask God what's your part and when you're faithful to it it'll elevate your income it'll elevate your blessing it's how God does it here's an opportunity and so this is here's why I know that God's going to elevate your your level of living over the next few years there's an opportunity for you to sow into something in the kingdom I'm not telling you what you should do I'm just saying pray on it a couple weeks we're going to take some pledges it give us a chance to give toward it for a few years. I told you this last week. Me and my wife were a part of something like this. We, we gave an amount above and beyond what we thought we could do. God met it, and, and as we fulfilled it, God paid off everything we owed. We just put our faith to it. And so I'm just, I'm just putting it out there for you to pray on. In a couple weeks, we'll let you say, I'm going to give this for the next few years. Uh, I, I think it's an incredible thing that we could spend $2 million and, and have everything done. And so... Um, uh, uh, we'll, we'll keep sharing this, keep it before you. I just want you to pray for the next week or so. Seek God, and, and if God's ever done something for you or you're expecting God to do something, this is a season to get ready to, to sow. And I believe it'll give God a chance to give you a, an awesome, cool, miracle testimony at the end of it. God will take your part, add his part, and blow our minds.
Did you get that? He'll take your part plus our part. And everyone's part's not equal amounts. I get that. It doesn't have to be. But it has to be equal sacrifice. It has to be equal purpose. It has to be equal seeking. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. How many got something good out of that this morning? Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com.